Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Believe in Bears podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. What is up, Believers? And what is up, Bear Down Nation? I am Cameron Lee. And I am Joy Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. The NFL season, it is in full swing, and you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on all the action at BetOnline. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, the live betting app tomorrow night for the Monday Night Football game. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online, and there's always that online casino as well. It never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag and sign up today. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Cameron Bears lose twenty six to twenty three in overtime to the New Orleans Saints. They are now five and three on the season. There's always a chance. There's always an opportunity, and it just inevitably just kind of falls through the fingertips, and you just come away feeling sad. And you know, when you go out there, and maybe if you take the Saints to overtime, you say, "Hey, man, we played hard. We played well." And we can hold our head up high about where we're at. But I just don't feel that way. I don't feel that way. Once again, we we leave a game just feeling like, man, that's one we should have had. That's one we could have had. And um, I think Bears fans are, are upset, as they should be, following that one. This was a nail biter. We hung in it till the very end. We were down by 10 in the fourth quarter. We somehow came back and tied it, took it to overtime. And yet we're on the losing end of the stick. This Bears team is 5-3. and three. They are a flawed football team. That is an obvious thing to say. Broad brush, though, it was nice to see them bounce back from a competitive standpoint after the complete no-show on the offensive side of the ball against the Rams last week. But it just starts to kind of feel like that character, Napoleon Dynamite, who just says if he had just played in that high school game, he would have thrown a football through those mountains. And I think Bears fans are asking the woulda, coulda, shoulda, of a talented defense that we are completely wasting right now. An offense that, let's be honest, we're going to go through it, did a couple of good things today, but left us wanting, nonetheless, an offensive line that continues to be decimated. There's a lot to unpack from this game. Cameron, let's just sort of start with Bears are down 16-13. They give up a touchdown to Taysom Hill, go down 23-13. to They're able to actually come back in this game. They get a touchdown. They get the ball back thanks to some excellent defensive stops, and they're able to get a field goal on, you know, after a fourth and two, after a third and ten, able to take it into overtime. Just walk us through what you saw during that time because, obviously, both sides are gassed, the offense, the defensive side. Like, you know, in those overtime games, it's just got to be just a test of wills at that point. The thing that we keep coming back to about the Bears is that at times they can manufacture offense. They can find ways to put points on the board and they can make plays happen, but there's just no consistency to it. And we're talking down the stretch uh, in the fourth quarter into overtime. They they did step up. Nick Foles stepped up and made some plays. Uh, they were able to run the ball a little bit more effectively. They were able to get the ball in their hands of the right guys at the right time and, and make some stuff happen. But it just there's just such long pauses and lulls throughout the game where there's just nothing happens. We're just very long stretches where no yards are gained, no points are put on the board, and that's just not going to get it done. It's just not winning football. But during down the stretch when um, you know, when you're coming when you're trailing by 10 and you know that something needs to be needs to get done and your back's against the wall and the offensive line's not playing great, and you're just kind of trying to find a will and a way. 
you know, you got to be impressed by what some of the things that this team can do and the way that Nick Foles never totally seems out of it, but he never totally seems into it either. <laughs> I don't know how else to put that. It is as hot and cold as really I've ever seen it. And we've seen Rex Grossman. We've seen Jay Cutler. We've seen Mitch Trubisky, but Nick Foles can turn it on for five, six, seven, eight throws like nobody's business. He can also lose it for a two, three stretch, two, three play stretch just as easily. We saw that on full display in this game. And let's just go to that overtime offensive drive. You're fighting, you're clawing, you're trying to stay in this game. You're lucky to be in this game. And what I'm about to say, maybe you can just highlight and put in italics to place a little emphasis on it. You can't have drops in an overtime offensive drive. Great. They weren't necessarily first down receptions, but still those are yards that you're trying to make up to put points on the board, try and get a field goal, put the pressure on the Saints. Two drops and then a sack play that you could say what you want, that Mitch Trubisky would have ran for a first down on that play. Regardless, he still took that sack. And it's just a difficult, just depressing, demoralizing offensive drive in overtime when you really think that you've got the momentum. Yeah, there was definitely just a few weird drops. You know, the timing didn't totally look right on a couple of balls. Obviously, the big sack, which is just devastating in that instance. You know, we talk time and time again about how the Bears are just not that complete of an offense. And if you're not going to have that complete of an offense, you don't have the luxury of dropping a ball here, making a mistake there. This team has to have everything go right, everything go perfect for them to click and for anything to really work out. They get so lucky so many times with some of these third and long plays that they're able to, to just pull out of their butt. But it's like then, okay, so you got an opportunity. You've given yourself a chance. Next play, you know, it's first down, and we're going to go out and we, and we drop a pass or, or we get a false start or stuff like that. It's just, it's just brutal, uh, you know, when you, when you add all of that up because you see, like we saw it early on, that they're, they've got big play capability. We talked about those pop plays, but it's just not there with any amount of consistency, and they aren't good enough to shoot themselves in the foot time and time again because they don't have the playmakers to just make up for all of that every single time. You're nailing it right on the head. You're mentioning like they don't have the luxury. They can't shoot themselves in the foot. This Bears team can be a 10-win football team. I'm going to say that right now. It is still possible. They can still go to the playoffs. Are we seeing the progress that we want to see? No, we are not. But what we are realizing is that this team's margin for error is so small and so tiny that when you drop two balls in an overtime offensive drive, yes, when you have a third down, what is it, a third and two, and you get a false start from your tight end that backs you up, you can't have that stuff happen because you're already going to make mistakes in other areas of the field that other teams don't necessarily make that really puts you behind the eight ball. And today it just really bit the Bears in the ass. The frustrating part is that because – the offense is so without that luxury of being able to make mistakes. It puts the pressure on the defense. Like when Eddie Jackson could have maybe possibly come up with an interception, he doesn't have the luxury to not come up with that interception. He just doesn't because this team needs them to manufacture points, however necessary, or Roquan Smith, who maybe could have had an interception. Like there's just these little things that we don't mean. Like I understand like how ridiculous of a request that is to say, Hey, batted balls play ball. Like, balls that you made a great play on that most teams would say, Hey, that's excellent for bears fans. That's not enough because we need it. We need every ball that could be caught has to be caught offense or defense. 
The ball needs to bounce our way. We need to cash in on those big plays. Even when we stopped the Saints finally on fourth down, my first thought was, you got to make them pay for it. You got to cash in on that. And look, the Saints were 2 of 13 on third down today. That is fantastic by a Chicago Bears defense. And look, you can pick them apart on the you know, the soft drive to end the first half. Camaro was able to break free a couple of times. There was a third and 12 where he got 11 yards that set up a fourth and one that they were able to convert. You got the Taysom Hill touchdown later in the second half. You can pick that apart all you want. But, man, this Bears defense is talented. It comes to play every single week. And the fact that they have to play perfect football every single game is just a real shame. It's not fair by any means. And, sure, obviously, with any football game, Again, there's going to be enough plays that you can go through and pick out this here, this there. But I mean, the real testament is that the Bears are in every single game, despite however bad they play offensively. And when you go out there and you play the New Orleans Saints, a team that's been playing pretty well, everyone knows has this reputation for for being a team that can run you off the run you off the field if you don't play well. And I mean, for the majority of the game, they did not play well offensively, and yet the Bears are still in it. The Bears have a chance. The Bears take this thing to overtime. That's a testament to the defense. So you know what? Yes, Jalen Johnson was soft in coverage uh, on that touchdown to end the half. And, and Alvin Kamara did bust some things open and make some big plays. But ultimately, man, this team has an opportunity every single time out. And I, I could not say enough about this defense because of the opportunities that they give the offense and, you know, really the the – spaces and the times and the situations in the field on the field that they're you know being put in on that side of the ball so i mean really like kudos again and again to this defense so let's roll the clocks back and let's see how we got here this game was we talk about the bears being a roller coaster we talk about the roller coaster i mean this thing was a pendulum swing it was the carnival where the ride goes all the way up to the top and hangs and then swings all the way back down so let's go back through it and pick in part and just see how we got here. Let's go back to the beginning of the game when the sun was still shining outside for Bears fans with our fallback time change. And early on, I, in general, liked what the Bears were doing on offense. It wasn't perfect. But let's just sort of begin there a little bit. I like the fact that they were going to, hey, if we're going to run the football, let's start doing some tosses. Let's try and get David Montgomery out into space a little bit. Let's get Anthony Miller involved early. And then, oh, guess what? Let's keep him involved in the game as it goes along. Things were kind of trending in the right direction. You know, what were you seeing from the Bears early on in that first quarter, first quarter and a half when things were kind of clicking for them? And they they were playing a Bears style of football that I think we can all be okay with. I think that the big thing that they noticed early on is that they're not going to be able to run the ball up inside the tackles. And that's okay. But they tried to find ways to get the ball moving on the ground at all. And so if that's going to the toss, if that's, you know, getting these guys in motion, if that's utilizing RPOs and creating uh, throwing lanes down the field, that's the stuff that we need to see more of. You know, they did plenty of throwing the ball short and kind of treating that as the running game, but they were able to create opportunities and get the ball to guys that need the ball in spaces where they can make plays. And, you know, we haven't seen a ton of that. We had, you know, this wasn't, again, not another big game for Cordero Patterson out of the backfield. We didn't see, you know, anyone else really, we saw Ryan now out there for a play or two, but you know, this, uh, we've kind of, we've kind of seen the formula of what this uh, rushing attack is going to be. And, you know, I think they knew that they were going to have trouble, not only because of how strong the Saints defensive front is, but how weak and uh, banged up the Bears offensive line has been. So how, what do you do? You mitigate those opportunities for 
uh, there to be issues and run away from those problems, you know, stop running the ball up inside the tackles uh, and try to get the ball on the edges. And so I like that. I like they went to the RPOs. I love the RPOs and, and the play actions type stuff. And that's when we saw, uh, you know, Nick Foles having success throwing the ball downfield and completing two big plays that we don't normally see. So that was great stuff. Let's drill in on this a little bit more. Bobby Massey goes down with an injury. Another offensive lineman down. I remember texting you. For the good Bears fans out there right now, I implored Cameron to start chugging protein shakes and KFC spicy chicken sandwiches because this Bears offensive line just keeps getting hit after hit after hit. James Daniels out for the year. Cody Whitehair not playing this game with a calf. Bobby Massey goes down. They bring in Spriggs. And honestly, I want to get your take on this. I thought Spriggs came in and actually gave them a different look out there. He seemed to have a little bit more of an athleticism. And I felt like at times they sort of made the decision of if we're going to run the football, we are not going to run the football behind Rashad Coward. We're just not going to do it. If we are, we're going to do toss to the left and we're going to spread it out a little bit and give Montgomery a head start. But they were able to get some action going on on the right side. And I think Spriggs did a really great job in those first few drives and, and helping us get to those 13 first half points to uh, really step in and play well. What did you see from Spriggs early on before he got hurt in the game? I thought Spriggs played pretty well. He's not necessarily as uh, as big and as physical, but he's a good cover guy. He's a good cover blocker, and he's the type of guy that can uh, run and be a little bit more athletic and get guys and cover them up and create running lanes. You know, those guys, and that's the kind of guy that I that I kind of was as as a blocker. And it's not for everyone. It's not everyone's style. But sometimes it's not about being an ass kicker, or being a mauler, or, or blowing a guy two or three yards back off the line of scrimmage, but just putting your body in a good position and creating a running lane for, for the running backs to be able to follow. So I thought he did a pretty good job in those one-on-one matchups and, uh, and definitely created some amount of running room. And I like the way that I like some of the finish. There's a couple of times here and there where you see uh, that one, two, three yard extra surge at the end of a play. That's kind of an attitude thing. And it seemed like every time that we saw that that was coming from the right side of the line of scrimmage. So I enjoy stuff like that. I thought Spriggs came in and played, Played okay for a backup offensive lineman in a tough spot. Yeah, they had to take him off the field before the end of the first half with an injury, so they moved Rashad Coward over to right tackle, and then you're like, oh, okay, here we go, here we go. Luckily, Spriggs was able to come back. He did have some tough plays, you know, that Cam Jordan sack that was really costly in the second half. That was Spriggs just on a big old whiff situation. But before we get back to the offensive line, because we're going to talk about that a little bit later, I just want to bring up really quick, you mentioned the RPOs. We got a Mitch sighting today for just one play. And I have to be honest with you. Obviously it's so cliche that like Nagy plays the saints that like to deploy a two quarterback look from time to time. It like you're almost Xeroxing and trying to like show Peyton that you can do it too as well. But I want your take on it because honestly, I loved it. I loved it. If you're going to tell me that this bears offense is so good that we can't use a player that has a particular skill set at times during a game, I'm going to tell you that you're crazy. And I think flashing Mitch for one or two plays a game is kind of an interesting call. What did you see about that look? Obviously, it didn't work out great, but moving forward, you know, what are the prospects? What's the potential? I've got no issue, you know, sprinkling in some Mitch Trubisky. I am not a huge fan of utilizing these guys one quarterback on the field at the time at a time. And what I mean by that is when you just sub in Trubisky for Foles, you're basically just saying, okay, we're taking out uh, a seven out of 10 at quarterback and we're putting in a six out of 10 at quarterback. He's just a little bit faster. Um, 
So I, I don't have any problem with it. I like the creativity. I like getting a little funky. I love the way Sean Payton use, uses Taysom Hill. But there's like a much stronger commitment to, to that. You know what I mean? It's not, hey, one play here and we're just going to run an option. It's like, okay, Taysom Hill takes reps as, as a halfback, as a fullback, as a wide receiver, as a punt protector, as a quarterback. He does all of that, you know? And so when he goes out there, and it makes its way out on the field. It's creative. You have no idea what's coming next, although it seems pretty obvious that they were just going to run the ball with him. Um, but he ended up catching a touchdown pass as well. So um, I love the idea of, of employing, um, you know, both those quarterbacks out there, using them in different ways. I would like to see you get a little bit more creative with it, though, you know. I, I don't – just bringing in Mitch, to me, the whole – scouting reporter on Mitchell Trubisky is that he can't throw the ball. So then you just put him in a quarterback in a shotgun situation. Like, Oh, wonder what he's doing. It's probably, you know, is he's, he's running it somewhere, you know? So I'm fine with it, but I would like to see it get a little bit more, a little more creative. Follow up question, because I know bears fans are going to be thinking about this in, in their dreams, AKA nightmares tonight while they're trying to fix this bears team. What is your personal opinion on, both of them, Foles and Trubisky, being on the field at the same time. It's an empty set, but you have Trubisky in motion. Are you putting Trubisky in a compromising position, or is that a look that you think works? Obviously, very gadgety. I'm not saying that Trubisky runs a 35-yard out route for a touchdown, but it also, again, presents a dynamic that defenses have to account for. Man, I'm all for if, if it's not working, what the hell is the Harmon trying? And so I, I'm totally fine with getting a little gimmicky, getting a little risky, you know, trying something new. If, if rolling two quarterbacks out there uh, is something else that defenses have to account for and have to take seriously, then by all means, go ahead and do it because teams don't respect the run from the Chicago bears. I don't think they really respect the passing game all that much. So, I mean, why not? What's it hurt? Um, I mean, isn't that kind of the, the point of, of hiring a guy like Matt Nagy and saying that we've got this offensive mastermind and something that can be really creative and come up with this cool stuff? Well, I mean, we're kind of seeing more and more of this, uh, obviously, the mobile quarterbacks and a little bit more creative stuff all around the league. We've seen two quarterbacks take the field in Philadelphia. We've seen, uh, obviously, we've seen a lot of that with the Saints and Drew Brees and Taysom Hill. So, I mean, you know, you're not going to be out on an island. You're not going to be totally alone. Uh, and, you know, I mean, we've seen wildcats. We've seen all sorts of weird stuff. So, yeah, take take some chances to get this offensive go- this offense going. And if you're – you got Mitch Trubisky anyway, right? You, you, you got him. Do something with him. That's what I'm saying. I'm not pounding the desk that you run this formation out 15 to 20 times a game. But you, can, you can't tell me that two or three times a game, as a head coach of a team, especially the offensive play call of a team – there is an element that you have to extract as much of the talent out of your roster that you possibly can. And if you're realistic and if you're honest with yourself, you know that this Bears offense is flawed. And I'm being generous and kind when I say that. So if you're at that point, you have to look into every single crevice and corner in your offensive playbook to try and generate anything that can perhaps create an advantage for you on offense. If that's just having Mitchell Trubisky's legs as a decoy, then by all means, absolutely take advantage of that any way that you can. And before we get into the craziness, Cameron, let's just stick with what you were talking about. Cam's key heading into this game this week was we need to get those impact plays. We need to get a couple of those pop plays. It's time. We need to make it happen. And 
We were talking about Spriggs and some of the effectiveness that they had running the ball, but you know what? That opened up the play action, Cameron. Who knew? We were able to hit Darnell Mooney down the field, and then on top of that, I also want to talk about the Allen Robinson touchdown catch in the end zone. Yeah, those, that's exactly what we're talking about. When you get those opportunities to hit those pop plays, you have to have to make them hit, and Allen Robinson came out and made a great catch. Uh, the, the play to Darnell Mooney was a great ball and a, and a great throw, and I mean, that's awesome. Like, that's what the Bears need to do. That's what we need to see on a more consistent basis. And if you have to dial up more play action and get some more stuff established to be able to take those shots downfield, I'm all for it. But that's exactly what the Bears offense needs uh, to be able to generate just more points on the board and, and more of these pop plays. Just an amazing catch by a dude that we obviously compliment all the time. I mean, that's what a big-time receiver does. He comes down with that football with the hands tucked neatly underneath the football. Bears go up 13-3, to just a couple minutes left in the half. And then this is where the game changes so swiftly. Talk about a pendulum swing right here. Bears give up a quick touchdown. The Saints were able to actually carve through them fairly easily for the first time all day long. They take a 13 to 10 halftime lead. They do get the ball back in the second half. But now all of a sudden that momentum of, hey, if we can get up 13 to three, we get the ball back. We can go up 20 to three, 16 to three, multiple touchdowns. We get to the third quarter and with about 11 minutes to go, just a terrible stretch by Nick Foles. And honestly, the Bears team, you, you could say whatever you want, but his miscommunication in his helmet went out. Obviously, he couldn't get the plays in. So the first one doesn't get the play until about maybe 12 seconds to go. Can't get it off. Delay of game. Right after that, I believe he takes a sack on a play that he probably should have you know, pulled the trigger on. False start. And then next thing you know, we're kicking the ball back to the Saints. They get a big return, and they're able to come down and tie the game. Just talk about that stretch right there. I understand when you're not getting the play calls from, from the helmet, but we keep talking about Nagy and Foles and miscommunication, not being able to get the plays in. That was just a moment that was a pivotal stretch where the momentum really shifted towards the Saints. When you talk about good football teams, good football teams and well-coached football teams and well-led football teams, they just seem to find a way to get past this stuff. And it's like whenever there's a bump in the road or something that you know, a really good football team would like find a way to like kind of maneuver around or maybe even just kind of softly go over it. The Chicago Bears end up like in a nine car pile up by every single little thing. And they just have meltdowns and it's like, okay, you know, now you might get a penalty or now you might come up short on third down, but like it all happens and it feels like the whole world caves in on them. And I don't know if that's just leadership or if that's just bad luck or whatever it may be but like those are the things that the bears really need to learn to eliminate and you just feel like you're just watching the whole world come to an end as i guess obviously the the helmet thing that's tough but you find a way to to make that work teams at all levels of football are able to to play without a, without that and they figure that out and they make that work and then obviously taking the sack is is bad and then obviously penalties and a skirmish that was embarrassing. I mean, like there's just so many bad things and it just happens play after play after play. And like, this is where it's like, as a Bears fan, you're just like, I just want to stop watching. It's, it's hard to just see these things happen in a row. And especially after that first half, which for the most part was fairly optimistic. They pull within 13, 10, they come out, they don't get anything. They come back down. They kick a field goal. And then, yeah, let's get into the Javon Wims thing. I want to ask you a question about leadership in just a second. But the Javon Wims situation, 
let's try and walk through it step by step. And I'm, I, I don't play the game. I played in high school football. But just Cameron, what the hell happened? I believe it was CJ Gardner, Gardner Robinson or something. He had, I think on a previous play, looked like he walked up, did some trash talking to, was Anthony Miller. Of course it's the, Anthony Miller. Of course it is. Poked him, poked him in the face. Look, dude, that's, that's whack. That's lame. We don't do that. Whatever. But Anthony Miller walked away. Nothing happens of it. Javon Wims on a play where he's not even being guarded or covered by this Gardner fellow decides that after the play's over, when he's nowhere near it, when he's nowhere near the ball to just come up, you know, try and antagonize Gardner slaps him in the face. He doesn't react. And then when he doesn't react full on attacks him, I mean, I get trying to defend your team defending your teammate and honor and all this there was nothing cool about that that was a disgrace i honestly i was embarrassed i was embarrassed as a bears fan and honestly javon wims you barely see the field you barely get dressed on sundays man i i don't know that i would want to see him on this team anymore that that was embarrassing to me cameron we talk all the time about the cost of doing business and that means from a competitive level sometimes you're going to commit a penalty here and there like as you mentioned sometimes you're going to maybe protect your teammate and maybe in a way that maybe toes the line a little bit about what's akeem hicks plays too hard he gets penalties setting a tone trying to enforce the way that the defense plays and showing the chicago bears identity what javon wims did was a punk move and needs serious reprimanding. And what you do is you play with it within the confines of the game. Like there's a way to competitively get back at somebody who maybe does an unsportsmanlike move. And there's a way to me, you know, maybe a little extra drive on the tackle at the end of the play. Maybe you block them a little bit harder. You know, you can find ways to sort of get back at somebody. You know what? It's a great way to getting back at somebody beating them in the game. So, the fact that he did it unprovoked, wide open out there, it happened. He got up and clapped like he did something correct, like it was going to be on them. Cameron, you just alluded to it. Bears fans are going to think about it a whole lot. We don't want to be knee-jerk reaction here, but let's be honest. Javon Wims is about to get suspended for multiple games. He is a guy on the list who has to check his name every week, whether he's going to be an active player on the roster. Look at the numbers crunch. If he's going to get suspended for a couple of games, what's the point of having him on the team? And, and like, look at the, look at the football result from that. Okay. So now they come out, it's second and 20 and look, I'm not, I hate like acting like everything is like totally causal. You can't say Javon Wims slapped a guy in the face. Now we throw a pick, but you come out second and 20, you put the offense in a bad position. You know, they already struggle with the offensive line. You're playing from behind the sticks. You're going to get dialed up pressure and Nick Foles comes out throws a really, really bad pass and an interception the very next play. Like it just like that. Again, the, the throw is not on Javon Wims. It's on Nick Foles. It's on the offensive line. It's on all this, but they shouldn't be in that situation. That's not the situation that they should have been in. You put them in that situation. To me, that's just inexcusable. And that's the kind of thing that good football teams don't do. It's a distraction. It's the type of distraction that literally these are human beings out there. You're in a competitive moment and you're probably still asking yourself, what just happened? I get it. You're, you know, you have to stop your offensive rhythm for a couple of minutes to sort it all out, but you're kind of sort of scratching your head in the mind of just 
what just happened here? What's going on? Why am I being backed up? Of course, the, the, the throw isn't on Javon Wims, but this is all, this is a tidal wave that is happening to this Bears team that begins at the end of the first half into an awful play sequence on offense. They tie the game up. We get it back, and then Javon Wims gets kicked out for sucker punching a Saints defender twice. So my question for you is, and this isn't an easy answer, but you talked about leadership, and I would just say from a fan's perspective, an outsider's perspective, when it's moments like that, this is when actual coaching comes into play. I saw them all huddle up on the sideline. I'm not asking you probably what the coaches said to them because that's probably obvious, but isn't this where Matt Nagy and his coaching staff, that's where they have to really pull together and stop this thing from happening? I mean, did it get too far out of control? You can't predict Javon Wims punching someone, but do you think that the Bears were at least able to maybe stem the tide on that? But I, I sort of felt like they, they lost control of this game. I think they did too, and – that's kind of the frustrating part is we, we praise Matt Nagy a lot for his winning, for his culture and, you know, kind of the atmosphere that they've been able to build around this team. And I think there's a lot of stuff that they do, you know, that kind of gives this team a fun, unique energy and they're very positive. Um, But, (laughs) you know, like kind of like the hippie parents that were like, yeah, man, we're just kind of, we're kind of cool. We're kind of cool with our kids. But sometimes you gotta, you gotta, you know, crack the whip a little bit and you got to say, Hey, you're being an ass and you're being an ass is being a detriment to the team. And I mean, like, that's, that's the way you kind of got to view this. And we see a lot of penalties from this team. It's one of the most highly penalized teams in football. They're undisciplined. They make lots of mistakes and like it's coming back and hurting this team in football ways. It's one thing when you're, when you're pulling out miraculous victories, you can get away with some of that sloppy stuff. Uh, but this is the stretch of the schedule. This is the time where we're seeing what this team's really going to be made up made of, and if they're going to be a playoff contender. And I think that it's on the coaching staff. It's on those guys to step up and like really correct this nip it in the bud and make sure that they're on the right track moving forward. Cause what happened today, I don't want to overreact. I hate being that guy that overreacts to that, but in the, in this game and that time in that situation to act like that, Man, like like when you come back and, and look at where this team could be at from a playoff standings standpoint, like that's one less interception probably thrown. And that's maybe one more touchdown they could have scored. Maybe they don't go to overtime. Maybe they're able to win the game. You don't know. That's that, like that's tough. That's going to be really tough for this team to reconcile with. And we're asking questions because we see a football team that is not playing nowhere near what they're capable of playing, and yet they're stacking up wins. Dare I say that this team looks almost not identical, but very, very similar to the football team that they had last year. And they were eight and eight, and they got behind the eight ball with a, what a four or five game losing streak, and they couldn't recover. This team has the luxury of actually being over 500 right now and still has an opportunity to find not their best football, but better football than what they've already played. And that's what you're always hoping for where you're going into the playoff stretch. This is low-hanging fruit, but Matt Nagy always says, be you. Well, my question is right now, who do the Bears want to be? You can't know, you can't be you until you know exactly who you want to be. They are still struggling to find that. And the last thing that we need right now is undisciplined play in terms of what you're talking about with the penalties, what you're talking about with, let's be honest, a veteran quarterback, Nick Foles, who isn't supposed to make those mistakes. That's exactly why he's the starting quarterback. And also a play caller who, again, in this game, on a third and three, calls a run play. Again, 
in with four and a half minutes left to go in the game with the ball on the two yard line, he runs the ball two times in a row. I get it. David Montgomery had a 38 yard run in this game, but we still only, only, only had 96 team rushing yards in this game. So there's still these questions that we're, we're asking because I think we just see potential in this team that week after week continues to not make strides to getting closer to. Do you ever like remember back in like high school, like algebra two or something, and you had to like show your work and like you finally felt like you knew what you were doing and you were like showing all the work and going through these long problems and you felt like, yes, I'm going to get there. And then when you got there, the answer was just not, not right. But you're like, but what I'm doing makes sense, but the answer's still wrong. So I feel, man, when like that's a Chicago Bears team, man, is like, you're doing all this stuff and it just, it, it doesn't work. It just, it still doesn't work. And man, Matt Nagy can, can preach on being you. I feel like we know who this team is defensively and that's fantastic. And honestly, I feel like we're kind of getting an idea for this team is like on special teams. Like we had lots of questions about our kicker, but Cairo Santos has been excellent. And I love the way Dwayne Harris came in and he made impact plays without having to make huge returns. His impact over what Ted Ginn did last on Monday was huge, but where are we at offensively? I I don't even know. I don't, I don't know where to start because like we do this every week. You know, they, they have, they were able to make some strides today and that's great. But like, as far as, be you? I don't know what that means. I have no idea what that means on the offensive side of the ball. Cameron, let's look at exhibit A as maybe we try and just drill into what the Bears, not just what they're capable of, because I think we hypothesize and fantasize about what they're capable of, but what they're going to be working with moving forward. It's time, Cameron, to give your grade for the offensive line, a unit that, again, continues to be decimated by injuries, a unit that was struggling to begin with, a unit that struggled even more once Nick Foles became under center. What grade do you give them in this game? I'm going to give them a C minus. I don't think they played particularly well, but I don't think they had a whole lot of, you know, I don't think there was a lot of like, the lot was going in their favor. You know, there's a banged up group going against a pretty good front. And I think that they, they did okay. I mean, in, in some areas, they were able to to hold their own just enough. I, I mean, the ball's got to get out. That's, you know, they're not asking them to be able to throw the ball downfield a whole lot. They're asking Nick Foles to be smart, to make good reads, to to throw the ball. And I know you just hinted at it a little bit when you talked about Foles being under center rather than Trubisky. Man, he's thrown off of his back leg so much. He's so scared. He just, he just backpedals and backpedals. And I'm not suggesting that – that's totally on him as a quarterback um, because obviously you want your offensive line to perform better and to keep you safe and to keep you upright, but he's not the type of quarterback that plays well under pressure. He's the type of quarterback that if you set up and give him time to pick a defensive apart, he can do so. I mean, he just looks really uncomfortable when pressure is in his face. And sometimes you're like, you know, Mitch is kind of used to that. Like Mitch, you know? Um, so again, I don't want to get back into that, but, uh, I, I think the offensive line did poorly, but I think they did fine for the expectations for the this offensive line. I'm giving them a C minus. What I'm seeing is that Nick Foles is spooked. I noticed specifically after Massey went down those next couple of plays in his head, he had an eternal clock. clock. It was probably a second faster than it needed to be. I saw other moments where a particular play call, I think in his head just goes, man, 
this isn't going to work out. So I have to make the best of it. And I have to make a quick decision. And, you know, the bears offensive line gave up five sacks. I do think that Nick Foles probably holding onto the football, not being able to pull the trigger, maybe contributed to a couple of those. I did see a lot of situations where Nick Foles was throwing off his back foot and it just led to some truly, truly ugly throws in this game. I initially, my instinct was to give the bears offensive line a C just because of everything that they had to deal with. I thought that at times they were able to provide enough of a pocket to execute a play that was called. But again, I think it's, it's a mental thing where I don't think Nick Foles trusts the play call with the offensive line. And I think he's got a completely different clock compared to what the clock of the actual play probably needs. I mean, this is a really bad situation to be in when, when trust starts to erode within an offense, within an organization, like that's a real problem. And we talked about how you can't go flipping quarterbacks. If your quarterback is, doesn't trust the offensive line, if they don't trust the play calls, like that's, that's really bad. And that's when you kind of start to hit the panic switch a little bit. I don't think, like I said, I don't think this offensive line played great today. There was definitely mistakes early on. Uh, there was the the game and the twist early on, on the left side where Chad Coward just did not know how to handle a, a pretty simple twist and a pass off uh, to, to get this man bumped off and give Leno an opportunity to make a play. Like stuff like that is, is easy. And I understand the frustration that Nick Foles might be going through, but he does not look comfortable. He does not seem like someone who wants to take hits or really even know how to do so. And his backpedaling and kind of just meandering as he kind of throws the ball, like there are people who have done that and just kind of thrown the ball out of bounds. When he does that, he throws picks. Like he throws really bad, really obvious interceptions when he does that. And I've, I've never stood back there. I've never been in those shoes. I'm not suggesting that that's easy and that he should be doing something better, but I just feel like there has to be a better way to handle that situation. And that's why you pay a guy like Nick Foles. That's what you expect him to be able to do is handle uh, some of this adversity in these tough, tough situations. You see him out there. He's a veteran trying to make plays and he's literally changing his mechanics. He went to the sidearm on multiple times, you know, and it just seems to be, you know, the head, the head and the heart isn't exactly going in line with the arm. And it's just leaving the Bears susceptible to, as you said, awful throws, bad interceptions. Cameron, this is what all Bears fans are thinking about right now. You've been chugging protein shakes all day. You've had four spicy chicken KFC sandwiches. You were already bench pressing and doing squats in the garage. The Bears call you tomorrow morning. What are you telling them? <laughs> oh, uh, I mean, I'll be, I'll be up there. I could be there in like three or four hours. So let, me know. <laughs> let me know. I'll be there. I, I mean, I'll give it a shot. Buddy, I think they might need it. I mean, in all seriousness, what do they do with this position? They had to bring some people in this week, right? Do they make a trade? What do they do? You know, Massive, we don't know the extent of the injury. We don't know if Whitehair can come back next week. They need some reinforcements there. They need them quickly. You know, what would you do? I would personally go and look dip it back into the 2017 season and look back when Jordan Howard was running the football up and down and try and find myself an offensive lineman, maybe in Danville, Illinois, but you know, what, what, what do they do? How could you begin to attack this issue right now with an offensive line that not only isn't very good, but now is decimated by injuries? Well, they've, they don't take the correct approach to, uh, to the roster construction. They just don't, they don't believe in creating the depth necessary to, to be good and to sustain throughout an entire season. If you watch the saints today, the saints have a very good offensive line and 
they had players, they have James Hurst, who is a, he was a teammate of mine in Baltimore for a little bit, who's a very good backup guard, backup tackle. And he was just coming in the game. He was just coming in the game. He played, I saw him come in at left tackle. I saw him coming at right tackle. Like, I'm not encouraging spelling guys, but it's just really awesome to see that they, like, if someone just like gets hurt, they don't have a meltdown. They have a quality backup that just comes in and they just play. And right now we're in a position where it's like, if one guy gets hurt, I mean, like the bears don't even, we're not even satisfied or thrilled with the starters. And then one guy gets hurt. It's like, it's a meltdown. It's how do we go from here? How do we survive? So, I mean, I think you have to sign someone, but we were saying that last week. We were saying that the week before to add depth, to find starter quality guys and spend money on offensive line. Because if you're going to have a stationary quarterback that you want to be able to build a future around, then for gosh sake, you need to protect him. So I'm all for it. You know, it's great to have these project guys. It's great to have guys that you believe in and homegrown players, but you have to have an offensive line that you feel confident can protect your guys moving forward. And so I say, whoever's out there, you missed your shot on Quint on Quentin Spain, you know, or or whoever it may be, but you got to find something. So let's spin it optimist for a second here. Next week in the film room among the offensive line, you got a lot of new faces. You know, hopefully Spriggs is going to be able to perhaps start at right tackle if Massey can't go. You've got a Fetty who was signed in the offseason. You know, you've you have the center whose name is escaping me right now because it's kind of hard to pronounce. Sam Mustafer. Mustafer, thank you. Mr. Mr. Mustafer, and you have Shot Coward now playing left guard, and you got Charles Leno. What do you think? You know, we talk sometimes about the sum being better than its parts, and you've got a new group of guys now that need to come together in a brand new way. What do you think the buzzwords are right now, or what do you think you guys would be saying to each other internally about just trying to give yourself, you know, verbally coach yourselves into giving yourselves a chance to maybe form a new team? that could perhaps move forward and perhaps be efficient? You know, I think that if I'm in that group or if I'm in that room, I, I think that you're going to be trying to tell yourself that, you know, you went out there as kind of a makeshift ragtag group against a very good New Orleans, New Orleans Saints team and gave yourself a chance. And was it perfect? Absolutely not far from it. But at the end of the day, you're right there. And you know, I think that's all that you can ask. And so you just take it one step at a time and just say, hey, we're going to be better next week and you're going to be better the week after that. So you just take this thing, treat it as a building process, as, as steps uh, in, a, in a long journey to getting better. Because like that's that's the way it works is the more continuity you have, the more reps you have together, the better you get. And so I, I would walk away from this thing going, you know what? No one expected this to be the group that had to go out there and play the Northern Saints. And man, we had a shot. So you know, it's not perfect, but we'll figure it out and just keep getting better week after week. On the Believe in Bears pod, you are now six and two on your season picks. I fall to five and three on the season. You pull into first place in that front. Before we get out of here, let's just do a tiny little tease, tiny little peek at our matchup next week against the Tennessee Titans. Titans did not play well today. Lost. Perhaps played their worst game of the season. It's going to be a tough matchup in Tennessee next week. Just give us your brief thoughts on, you know, how you feel like the Bears played today in contrast to how they played the week previous to the Rams, what the Titans did today. It's going to be a tough matchup, but do you feel maybe just a slightly, a slight bit better about perhaps taking down the Titans next week? 
you know, you can't like these football games, these aren't one to one comparisons. You can't go, hey, this team played very poorly this week and it's going to be trending in that direction. I think that the Titans, if anything, are the type of team that's going to go, hey, we've lost two games in a row. We played terribly against uh, a, a team in Cincinnati that we absolutely should have beaten. So I would be preparing for, if I'm a Chicago Bears uh, player, for a geared up, ramped up, ready to go uh, Tennessee Titans team. Obviously, everyone knows what that rushing attack is capable of. Everyone should at this point know that Ryan Tannehill is a legitimate quarterback and that Adam Gaze is a um, a ruiner of quarterbacks. So Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee is a, is a real uh, is a real threat. And so this defense needs to be ready to go and ready to continue to keep doing what they've been doing and giving this team chances to win. And the offense is going to have to come out and, uh, you know, get over that point threshold where wherever we decide to set it, I'm thinking it's probably like 24, 24 is probably the point threshold. Um, so we'll, we'll go ahead and set it at that. And uh, hopefully this, uh, you know, they can find more of those pop plays and be a little bit more consistent and eliminate some of those mistakes and give themselves another opportunity because they're in every single game. Cameron, the bears fall to five and three after losing 26 to 23 to the New Orleans saints. In week eight in overtime, they have a tough matchup next week against the Titans. But look, Bears fans, we're going to break down the All-22. We're going to keep our heads held up high. We're going to still try and figure out a way that this Bears team can improve moving forward. Thank you so much for listening to the pod. Cameron, take us home on a loss, but yet a victorious pod on Sunday. You guys have been listening to the Believe in Bears podcast and the Believe Podcast Network. Make sure you check out our pregame show on Thursday where we will break down the matchup with the, the upcoming matchup with the Tennessee Titans. Make sure you give us a like, subscribe to us on all of the major podcast platforms. And remember to always bear down. And make sure you vote. Bear down. You have been listening to the Believe in Bears podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.